Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, my name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you so very much for listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, The Black Watch. The longevity of the band The Black Watch is a testament to tenacity and persistence. Originally from Santa Barbara, California, singer, guitarist, and songwriter John Andrew Frederick developed a strong case of musical anglophilia. But in addition to the standard-issue Beatles influence, he incorporated bits and pieces from a wide range of British artists into the sound of the band. As the primary songwriter, Frederick has been the only constant member in the 20-plus year career of The Black Watch, and it is his artistic vision that has kept the band moving forward through multiple lineup changes. More recent Black Watch material has a sound that is reminiscent of the best of 80s British pop, and the band provides a classic example as for why American bands so often look to their counterparts in Britain to see how it's done. Frederick's vocals sneer, guitars grind with a driving jangle, and his lyrics illustrate an ability to walk the line between the inherent elegant simplicity of pop music and a command of the language indicative of his PhD in English. Frederick and the Black Watch are set to play a national tour in the summer of 2015, and they're finishing up a brand new record called Highs and Lows that is slated for an early 2016 release. Welcome to Independence Day, The Black Watch, also known as John Andrew Frederick. Are you like the main guy? I am the main guy. Yeah, exactly. Welcome. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you for it's, having me. It's nice to meet me, you. It's, us. It's, it's nice. Well, you keep saying us. I noticed this as we were doing things before. You kept saying us, but like, are you... I have a royal we complex. So the, what can I say? It's a multiple personality kind of thing. So you, you've been at this a pretty, pretty good while. And, you know, con- uh, different from a lot of people who've been making music a long time. Like, I... I'm on like a glacial album release thing. Like I'm like Boston. I release an album like every seven years and fight with my imaginary record label and then release another album in seven years. Like you've had steady content basically since like the late 80s. Repulsively prolific. You could could say, yes, rebarbatively um, productive. Yes. Sorry about that. No, no apologies (laughs) necessary at all. Um, it's, it's, It's great to see someone at it so diligently for so long. Um, and you are, you know, when I listen to your music, I mean, I obviously, Thank I, you. I don't have access to all of these. I mean, how do you know the total of these? I'm looking at this. I sheet. don't, I've lost like track. 20... It's, I know it pro- probably sounds somewhat quaint to say so, yeah. but I don't know how many records we've done. Now. I mean, There's just maybe been I mean, 14 full links and seven or eight EPs and a bunch of singles. Yeah. Separate releases just that I picked off the, the website there. I mean, 25 or so you've got a, almost a brand new ish one. It just came out in February, which wasn't that long ago. Yes. Uh, sugar Plum, Sugar, excuse me, Sugar Plum Fairy, Sugar Plum Fairy. And tell the folks at home why you named it that, because I think that's well, a cool piece of trivia. Well, the Beals freaks amongst you will understand the illusion, because that's the count-off that John Lennon quite rather famously used for a day in a life, Sugar Plum Fairy, Sugar Plum yeah. Fairy. It sounded very druggy and stuff, and I thought that, and because I, I like mythopoeic themes, you know, I'm not, I don't have, you know... Uh, Puppets of sugar plum fairies or anything um, right. dancing in my heads or anywhere else, right. but uh, just it's a nice phrase. Um, I like the repetition of it as well. So you know, like as a nod to 
you know, our, yeah. my beloved Beatles. Of course. Uh, that's something we did, sure. So, yeah. Yeah, but there's been a lot of records down the years. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I, I just, I love to see people. I'm, I'm actually kind of envious because as an well, artist, it's, it, it's it, hard for me to keep that much output. It creates, it creates something of a crisis in, in the ostensible fan that discovers the Black Watch and goes, okay, where do I start? Right. And, and perhaps they'll go, you know, nowhere. You take a look at a band like The Church or something where there's a zillion, some kid just discovers he's heard a, a cut off of heyday or heard more than just under the milky way and look at all the records in the bin and go which one do i get and then sometime i know i've had reports from people who just gone well so essentially i bought none of your <laughs> records because <laughs> yeah you know and then the boon is as it were that sometimes people discover it and have to have the whole discography right. and i go well don't look to me mate because i don't have all the records yeah. there's a number missing from my collection or whatever so. yeah 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 and yeah. you know that's that that crisis of having too much. I call it menu overload. Like when I it's go a, to a restaurant, yeah. Like I can, sure. I can. Some people love the Cheesecake Factory, and that's fine. Where they have every conceivable right. manifestation of food sure. from every conceivable right. ethnic type of food plus American food, whatever that is, mixed in, and you can choose any combination of any of those things. Like I completely draw a blank. Like deer in the headlights when I see that. Sure. I, I need like. Restaurants for me should have like three entrees and like a couple maybe appetizers and maybe a dessert. You know, I don't, I don't, I get overwhelmed by too many choices. That's very typically male of you. Many, many the study has been done that what, what many women like more than anything is choices. I okay. d- often talk about how that, that uh, gets, uh, affords women the, the, uh, opportunity to display their taste. Right. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you'll say, look, this comes in pink, blue, green, brown, right. and she'll say, do you have any more colors? Yeah, and yeah. a guy will just go, I don't know, the red one, it's yeah. fine. So. You know, and I have I have what I would consider to be somewhat complex tastes in things, but I just don't want a lot of... But not in, like, not I, in dining. Yeah, I mean, sure. the, the, you know, we live in a customized world now. You can find every conceivable yes, of permutation course. of everything. And so, I mean, that's fine. You know, the internet has really enabled people to be able to find whatever it is they want, uh, whenever they want it, for better or for worse. Um, but that's the world we live in. We can't change that about what we do. Sure. So uh, does this does this apply to other aspects of your life as well? Do you like? Do you have like? A, am I am I grotesquely prolific in other yeah, ways? Yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. As a novelist, um, I'm. I have. I have four books right now. Um, uh, one. That's halfway done, but there, there, there are two two novels that have been written. The sequel to my latest novel, The King of Good Intentions, is coming out in August. But there's it. It turned into a trilogy, um, almost unwittingly, because I just yeah. can't seem to. I'm not sure whether I have grapho mania or songwriting omania or anything but i just seem to produce a lot of stuff i got a lot of stuff to say joe yeah and whether there's content there or not is <laughs> well is to, to be extent, determined i don't know it just seems to to, to me that i can't yeah. stop i tried to retire from music for I, I i lasted a month before i ended up writing 
this the the record that we're working on right now, yeah. um, the, the, which seemingly in some ways is about uh, about about taking a hiatus or trying to to retire. I just I don't know, and none no one believed me. None of my friends yeah. or musical associates said when I am stopped this is going to be the last TBW record. They said, yeah, right, sure it is. There's yeah. no way you're quitting. Well, there's something I to tried be... to. I tried to quit. But yeah. I well, the way I say it, I, I can't not do it. Right. You know, it's like or that the uh, the Godfather thing. As soon as I think I'm out, they pull me back oh, in. But it's man. me pulling me back in. I can't not do it. Even at even at my snail glacial pace of doing stuff, it's like it's it's taking up at any given time. Uh, the people who I work for probably don't want to hear this, but it's taking up. 70% of my brain power it's funny at that, all times. It's funny that you talked about re- recording yourself at a glacial pace and every seven years or whatever with an almost a- apologetic tone, and you needn't, but the parallel is I'm sitting here at the same time going, gosh, I'm sorry, I've, I've glutted the, yeah. the, the indie pop market or whatever of obscure uh, jang- jangled drone dream pop or whatever. Either way, you end up just kind of going, you know, but we, yeah. none of us, we none of us should apologize at all you do yeah. what you do and you know let let who discover it how they howsoever they will yeah so. i think you know for you know maybe somewhere between you and i you and me whichever the proper me. thing you you and yeah, me right. whatever but between us there's uh, a middle ground which well, might make the most sense because for me it's more a function of i'm i have too many interests like you know I'm, i call myself a farm league renaissance man like i'm into different things at a somewhat high level and I, I dabble in all of them, and they all take up some of my time. So, And whatever I'm doing at that time seems to be the thing that I'm obsessed with the most. Like if I'm out hiking a trail in the Sierra Nevadas, I'm like, man, I need to just sell all my stuff and move, buy a tent. And I'm moving to the sticks. I'm getting rid of everything, me and my dog and my girl. We're going to have dirt underneath our fingernails all the time. Sure. But then I get back, and I start working on a song. I'm like, man, I'm going to finish this album, and I'm going to do this thing. And it's I am doing them. It's just that they're all happening concurrently at this this level that's taking up. There isn't anything wrong with that, as long as it seems to me is that it's you know you're doing it when you're inspired and not trying to force it. Yeah. The the kind of artist who sits down, as they said of Paul Simon, who apparently goes into a room with a piano every single day and tries to crank out a song. There there it turns into you know it's it's an occupation, not yeah. an avocation. And there yeah. there's where I would be. I'd have to object. I mean, he's got a right to do whatever he wants to do, but right. for me to sit down and try to write a song rather than having it come to me as I'm yeah. humming in the car in my stereoless car Volvo, you know. What um, do you say about sure. a guy like Bradbury, who that was his mo for writing? He would wake up every morning, sit down you know, the first that's thing in the morning, and like hammer something. That's what out. he needed to do. That's you know that yeah. that's fantastic, and there's. Uh, uh, Steve Almond, the, this, this great short story writer and essayist whose book against football I just finished and I'm a big fan of his short stories. I just wrote him a, a letter to say, Steve, you owe me a beer because I've used his, his, uh, one of his, two of his short story collections um, in my class and made the students buy it. And he's a hilarious guy. And he talks about the comfort of writing fiction and also the various ways in which you alienate everybody you've ever loved or who's loved you once you decide to become a writer but he he talks about how you know the the, the element of um 
the solace that you get of being with characters. So maybe Bradbury was really just yeah. a guy who was very terribly lonely and needed comforting, and he could know yeah. that he could go and be with his characters because they're a lot easier than humans can I be think sometimes. I agree. Oneself I, included. I also think that there's a certain aspect. Some people, and I think maybe I'm like this, I need to kind of trick myself into doing it. Yeah. To, to like actually producing. Because yeah. like one one thing I look at your output as an artist, and I think it's very midwestern that work ethic. Like you do it, you're actually. My doing parents it. are from Iowa. Yeah, yeah exactly. For exactly. Sure. Maybe that's, where, that's you know, I, where that came from. I have midwestern roots, but you you. It's not that people don't work in other places; they most certainly do. But in places like the Midwest, uh, where I spent my formative years, it's just what you do. Your work is your thing. Your work is what you, people identify you with, and. You just methodically do it because that's what you do. I've always, uh, because I also am a serious athlete. I play, I'm a tennis bum. I play tennis five days a week. I'm somewhat competitive. I don't really want to win that badly, but I want to play well. But I got loads and loads of uh, kudos and money from my parents as a kid for doing things like reading reading books and keeping yeah. a tally of those and lots of, lots of props for uh, being a pitcher and striking out kids and getting wins and stuff and all of that having to do with productivity yeah you know uh so that that's obviously ingrained well john i want to i want to jump in i I can tell right away we're not gonna have any shortage of interview here no not Uh, at all verbosity is uh we are an embarrassment of would you say you're replete with verbosity is that you could sure (laughs) sure yeah so i'm talking with john andrew frederick he's the main dude main guy i hate to use the word dude he's the main guy in a band called the black watch which has been mostly his you're the 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 member the through line through all these permutations of the. yeah i don't believe i was replaced at any (laughs) despite my you know perhaps you know, yen yearning for that. You know, I don't think anybody ever replaced me. Yeah. So, uh, but you've been at this since the late '80s. You've got yes. 20 plus releases, and I want to talk a little bit more about well, a lot of different things. But first, I want to give people a taste of what your band sounds like. This is a track from uh, what is right now your most recent record. Just came out in February. Sugar Plum Fairy. Sugar Plum Fairy, which we mentioned before. It's a little hat, uh, hat tip to the Beatles. Um, this is a track from there called uh, There You Were. It came out in February. We're also working on a brand new record. We'll talk about that a little bit as well. You've got a brand new tour coming up or a, a big national tour coming up in just a few days. I've got a brand new amp as well, Joe. Brand new I've amp. Got... It's all new, brand man. Brand new attitude. All right. So, John Andrew Frederick, also known as the Black Watch. There You Were on Independence Day. Mine incredibly 
My name is Joe Armstrong. This week's guest, the Black Watch, a.k.a. John Andrew Frederick. He is uh, Santa Barbara, kind of born and bred, right? You born there, too? No, no. From- Richmond, Richmond, Virginia. Okay. My parents located when we were two or so. Okay, but for all intents and purposes, yeah, you are from Santa Barbara. that's where I grew up, Barbara. in a manner of speaking. Okay, so the first question I want to ask you is the one I've been thinking about since we first started talking about doing this episode, which is, how did you become such an Anglophile? being from Santa Barbara. Like, your music, to me, is very reminiscent of... It's Brit-damaged, Brit, for sure, Brit Joe. Pop. No one's denying that you at know, all. How did I... Brit-pop. Like, where, uh, like, where think did about that come it. from? Well, it's, it, had to have, it had to have come from when I was a kid, all of the music that when I first heard um, She Loves You when I was five or six, I, my parents talk about it, and I remember this as well because I have, I'm cursed with a too good of a memory, but I started just jumping up and down in the back of her big black bulbous Buick, you know, so um, the, so would have nice been, would have been the music, the thank you, uh, would have been from, from the music, and then once I broke my, uh, uh, I've told this story a number of times, I broke my leg playing football when I was in fifth grade, and my parents didn't let me watch more than an hour of television per day, so I had just started um uh, playing guitar, so I'd prop my cast. I had a very bad break. I spent a year in bed. Um, wow! Yeah, a year in bed with one hour of TV in the heyday break? of uh, heyday of television. It just it wouldn't heal. Okay. It was it was so severely broken that it just wouldn't heal. So I was in bed for a year, and um, I read. I just started reading, and the things that I connected to most were had to do with English history, um, because I fell in love with a couple bands called the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. How old are you at that point? I'm ten. Okay, I'm ten years old. I'm an overachiever, and I have a guitar, and I start writing songs when I'm 10. I mean, I often joke that, you know, I 
I, I, I started in fourth grade and I still play like fourth grader or whatever. Um, but so, yeah, so all of the Anglophilia, which is, you know, something I've tried to um, divest my voice of that too, because, you know, if we grow up listening to a lot of English music, it's going to seep into your uh, vocals. And when I first started out, producers would be driven mad. It was just going yeah. like, John, you're not from London. You just, <laughs> you know, you'd love to live there. And I'm sure I'll, you know, I did live there for a year, but I'm sure I'd like to go back and sometime and, you know, live there later on. And just play tennis on grass, yeah, um, yeah. but it, you know, just it came from it came from childhood that all those bands that I fell in love with, and then you started, you know, they'd make an allusion to some uh, some a novelist like Graham Greene or Kingsley Amos or Evelyn Waugh, and so I'd go, well, I have to know what I have to know what the Stones know, you know, if they yeah. like something, or or um, later on in the eighties, you know, like the more literary. Um, artists types like Robert Smith of The Cure too, yeah, famously I, reads and writes songs about killing an Arab. So, Well, that's what I'm getting at, though, because you know, so many people, I mean, the, the British musicians of the 60s loom very, very large in our culture. They're the kind of lean, you know, they kind of yeah. spilled over into the 70s. The, the Who, The Stones, The Beatles, um, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, like the holy... All of them. All yes, of those of course. Bands. You know that's um, so much, which is funny because they were looking at American roots music. Yes, of course. Early yeah. and then kind of reprocessed right. and repackaged it, and kind of became their obsession, yeah. their thing, which they served back to us in a, some better, more evolved form. So American music is so informed by those bands, um, but your music, uh, when I listen to it, and again, I, I, there's no way I could have heard all of this. No, I mean, of course not. Uh, but when I listen to the things that I heard. The distinctive thing about your music is that even though you mentioned the Beatles and the Stones as those first two bands you were influenced by, um, I hear 80s British bands sonically much more. The way the music sounds, the way the guitar sounds, the snare sounds, the, the reverb on instruments and vocals and... You know that was a very. The eighties were a very distinct period. Well, that's when music. we started. The Black Watch is an eighties okay. band. The yeah. first record, Saint Valentine, came out in nineteen eighty eight. But true. But the difference is, even other music that was coming out in eighty eight were still more direct. Like think um, again, for better or for worse, whether they're good or whether we like them or not, is irrelevant. Right. Think about bands who were influenced more directly by them. The Black Crows, who wanted to be the Stones, or. Um, I don't know. It seems like maybe the Stone Roses, who at some point seemed like they reprocessed it. They sounded '80s ish, but they sounded more like Pink Floyd informed or Radiohead when they came yeah. along and were more Pink Floyd influenced. Where yours sounds more distinctively influenced by those. But 80s that's bands. not a self-conscious or okay. deliberate thing at all, and especially in light of the fact that um, the '80s are inextricably linked sonically with effects pedals and things and i'm very much against those i'm not out there to try to you know go stepping on a, a, a bunch of chorus and tremolo pedals occasionally we'll use that sort of thing i'm of the uh, you know uh, uh, of the opinion that you should just turn it on and turn it up yeah um that there there are of course some you know because we're a twin guitar attack kind of band that we do mix it up with some effects on the guitar, but it's hardly the flangey yeah. thing that you would hear it in the Chameleons UK or, um, you know, a, a band like the, that I fell in love with called the Lucy show that are from the eighties and only did two records, um, who sound very, who sounded very much like the Beatles meets the cure who, yeah. you know, I saw in Santa Barbara in, in 1986 and started a band the next day because I had to do something 
because they inspired me so much, and they played to five people, this band. And I met them in London a couple years ago. They, they were at my gig going, you know, you guys are now at my gig. I was, you know, it's yeah. been 20 years that, that I started a band because I fell in love with you, the, the four of you, two Canadians and two Brits, you know, playing their hearts out. Very, very poppy music. Yeah. yeah. Check out the, the Lucy Show, uh, a record called Undone, and another one um, called Mania that are absolutely brilliant. And again, another obscure band. Yeah. Just like, writes beautiful melodies and you know nobody knows them hardly the first first-hand experience i had you know of course i'd heard all those bands from high school sure um but the uh, the, uh wonder stuff were a band when i was going absolutely around, i was in college yeah. it uh in boston yeah. for a semester and they came through town and someone someone i think the band that was opening for them had hired me to they gave me and my buddy each 20 bucks to kind of help him get in and out of the show they were playing the paradise rock club which is a big club in boston maybe i'm not even sure if it's still there maybe it is i don't know yeah who knows um but the wonder stuff were the headlining band you know and they were i mean they looked like the guys from the young ones they all looked like vivian you know and they just they were grungy and there was a bong in the green room you know and i was in college i mean i wasn't a prima donna about stuff but like that was the first time i saw it firsthand you know, here's these guys, and they kind of smell a little bit, and they've <laughs> yes. been in a van, and they're yeah. they're distinctly from another culture. And their road manager was very much like Vivian, like over the top, vulgar, salty language, and over the top, extroverted personality, and up in everybody's business at all times. But then you would sit down with him, and you would talk to him, and he would be this genuine guy. And it was interesting to like finally get that tangible experience. So like I. I'm not even sure if Wonder Stuff still does, does things. I have no idea. No, they're done. But to watch them do their the thing wooden tops, however, in, okay. the, in the W section of your vinyl, you okay. know, uh, in your in your records, your depleted, you know, or, or decimated record stores, you know, they're 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 kicking around again. Apparently, yeah. You know. Well, let's. You know the wooden tops. I don't. Yeah. Okay. I don't. Yeah. Very, very folky, poppy, catchy stuff, too. We're all learning Very today. 80s, yeah, sure. Learning stuff. So let's, why don't yeah. you play a song for us here? You've got a guitar. We're going to do some, right. some songs are going to be electric, some are going to be acoustic. And sure. I think this first one we've got queued up. What is this? Dear Dead Love. It's off the new record. Yes, Dear oh. Dead Love. Okay, and the record is Sugar Plum Fairy, Sugar Plum Fairy. People can pick that up on your website, correct? Or or in store, in the stores. few stores left, yes. Or CD yeah. Baby is a good place to go. Yeah. Okay. And just so people know, I mean, the internet is uh, everywhere. The blackwatch.bandcamp.com is a site you can find their stuff. Also, facebook.com slash theblackwatchmusic. So, all right. So, this is John Andrew Frederick, the main guy from The Black Watch on Independence Day. This is called Dear Dead Love. Once upon a very far away Seems like it was only yesterday You were someone very whom I knew Now we know it's well for you and it's so much better Wish I could the same say to Montague Place entrance was the place I first clocked your scary pretty face hey. 
Thursday I remember was the day All my efforts to forget Seemed to go for nothing They remind me that I yet To delete you from the recent past How long will these ghastly feelings last? Ask You were someone very whom I knew Now we know it's well for you And it's so much better Wish I could the same say too Yesterday The ghost of you Costed me okay You were someone Very whom I knew Now you're gone now Almost two years now To the day Dear dead love, what can I say? Sometimes I'm right, I could be wrong My own beliefs are in my song Butcher, baker, know me and then you can't figure out bag I'm in But I, everyday people There is a black one that won't accept the white one Being such a skinny one No, thinks the fat one Different strokes, different folks So on, so on, scooby-dooby-dooby We got to live I am no better, neither are you We are the same whatever we do Love me, you hate me, you know me and then You can't figure out back I'm in Cause I, everyday people There is a short hair that won't accept the long hair Being such a skinny one, but to take the fat one Different strokes, different folks And so on, so on, scooby-dooby-dooby We got to live together We got to live together
John Andrew Frederick also noticed the Black Watch on Independence Day. Anglophile music, good stuff. Sorry? Good stuff. Oh, thank you very much. It's enjoyable. I like it. It's good stuff. It's good to see. You don't have to keep on referring to Anglophilia, though, Joe. I, well, it's, it's, it's like a giant... You can giant, give that a rest. It's a giant gold star, though. Like, when you first sent me your music a couple of weeks ago, whenever that was, like, the first thing that I heard was like, wow, it's so refreshing. I guess I'm just used to some people, you know, uttering it with something yeah. of a sneer. Oh, not at yeah. all. Yeah, okay. In no way do I... This should be... It's not a derogatory, pejorative term in any way. This is just... It's a sonic thing for me more than anything. Uh, to hear, you know, I mean, I, I run in Roots Rock communities, and I, but this show by no means is a Roots Rock show. I love having everybody oh, on And I'm only just joking, too. I'm being, you know, I'm pretty unapologetic yeah. about it or whatever. Yeah. So, I yes. guess I'm, 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 giving, I'm giving you a gold star for your, for oh, your anglophilia. Because, <laughs> cheers, exactly. So because it's refreshing to hear someone, especially in L.A. where you don't hear a ton of that. Maybe New York you hear a little more, maybe Boston. It's closer to the motherland but out here and it's a long way it's it's very anti-british i feel like this like sunny southern california thing there's brits around they're here for the music business but to hear someone in because there were kids all over high school who dressed like the guys from public image limited and who had great band uh you know all those yeah exactly all this that was in chicago that was a thing out here it didn't seem like i don't see as much of it you know so uh, it's a gold star it exists it's cool and and it and it did and for me, you know, to, to double down, it's a sonic thing because I'm also a recording person. And to sure. listen to something that sounds yeah. British, it's not just referencing the lift and the, the loo and the, the biscuits right. and all sure. that. It's a sonic difference that you, you know. Well, a, believe me, I had, I've, I've had for years to try to purge myself of the, you know, or divest myself of the accent that seeped into my singing as a kind of, you know, muted or not so muted miming of, uh, you know, those people that I grew up revering greatly. Yeah, so yeah. I've worked really hard on it. And I just, we just did a, uh, I did a, a promotional video for, for a brand new song off the forthcoming record. Um, Yesterday, and the woman who was directing it, she goes, "Are you English? The way you sing is so English. <laughs> like I've worked for twenty years to yeah. not sound like that, but I do enunciate yeah. things crisply. I take pride in my diction. I, yeah. you know, I read, and um, you know, I've spent a lot of time there. I've spent, a, yeah. and I'll end up. I'm sure I'll end up living there again. Um, so that's just one of those things. We anyway, we get into the things that we get in because they strike some kind of chord in us. There's something about that that, that that resonates in our world that we love in some way, you know, like the, uh, you know, I, I would count myself as a devotee of uncle Tupelo, for example, Sure. you know, and there's a whole legion of music, that whole alt country right. thing, which has started with them and like Dwight Yoakam to a certain extent, yes. the Jayhawks. And, you know, some people, you know, maybe they're aping somebody like that. Maybe they're not, but you can't help what you love. You yes. love what you love, but and it you have to be. You. It's you know, like for my money, you've got to, you've got to be an artist about it. And, essay to mask it somewhat. Yeah. This is one of the reasons why I have nothing but contempt for um, so-called copyists kinds of yeah. bands. Um, and I don't want to name names other than the Brian Jonestown Massacre, <laughs> whom I loathe more than yeah. any other band that I loathe. Um, you know, but that's just that rankles greatly when you see somebody just you know, mi- becoming a, a mimic or a mime making very little... Uh, attempt to to hide those influences yeah. or whatever. It's just it, like it's when sometimes some bands don't mind when someone says, "Oh my God, you guys sound just like the Birds or Ride or whatever," and that would just be anathema to me to have yeah. somebody just go, "You you know the, the, those bands that we get 
compared to if that was just it, if people don't say, like, it sounds like an amalgamation of Husker Du, the Beatles, yeah. and New Order or whatever. I'm fine with that. But if someone comes along and goes, my God, you love New Order, don't you? And I go, yeah. you know, well, that's the one influence, actually, where I would just go, yes, I really do. I don't care if yeah. you think we sound like New Order. So It's a, become a, it's, it's a self-awareness thing, right. too. And then do you, to what you just said before, I mean, that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Because and I, I felt the same way, too, because as a young musician, you know, you, you fall in love with something. Beatles, Stones, Public Image, whatever it is, right? That kind of gets you going on your path. And initially, the most logical thing to do is just to ape them, emulate them. Because it's easy to get their guitar and their amp sure. and their pedal yeah. and their haircut. Yeah, right. And All their of the above. And, and do that because it's a, it's a prefabricated way to kind of get into what you're doing. And then it helps you find other like-minded people. And then you start to get your own ball rolling. But if you have a sense of awareness, sense of self-awareness about it, you get to a point where you become self-conscious and you think, okay, well, that was great. But I'm never, you know, some people never even reach this point. Maybe that's the problem. I'm never going to be who I am as a musician if I'm not self-aware enough to stop aping these people. And I think that's something, maybe that's what you're getting at. Yes, of course. I've been very mindful of that. Okay. So, and that's why I find it so I hope that's borne out in the, in the records, that's for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, it's good. I mean, I like it. Uh, it's, it's good to hear um, someone, again, like that, that 80s thing kind of comes up, but in no way, like I said, is that a pejorative thing. It's no, in no way is that a thing that's a negative thing. It's... It's you've, you're informed by this style. Well, you know? I mean, in effect, what, what people do and what you're in the process of doing right now is telling me about yourself. You know, when right. somebody comes up and goes, oh, my God, you've, you guys, you know, you, you sound so much like the Lucy show if they knew them or, or whatever. It's a way of saying, like, hey, I'm Kip, I'm cool, I know the Lucy show. You know, not to say that you're um, uh, ostensibly, you know, like... D- Cluing me into your credentials, Joe. I know that you have them. You know, you know music. You can make these allusions to these things. And I, I did like what you said about that's ways ways of bonding with people. To yeah. go, you know, I've got that in common. It's dismaying when there are people you like. You know, at the same time, it's exciting too. People you like who haven't seen some film or read some book or listened to some band. You know, like we could we could we could both just you know swoon over that. But at the same time, you could say like, you don't know the Lucy Show. Oh my God, I'm going to give yeah. you this record and yeah. turn you on to this, and I'm going to blow your mind here. You know, yeah. it's, it, it was one of the things that keeps us seemingly going in the sense of to think there's loads of things that we haven't discovered. Yeah. I hadn't heard the first. Essential. I know I'm gonna, you know, uh, uh, in some some ways, shoot myself in the proverbial. But I hadn't heard the first four Brian Eno records um, two two years ago. Was the first time I ever heard those records, and people can't ever believe that. Like, well, are you kidding me? You know, they'd yeah. be right up your alley. I go, no, you can't. Uh, there's great gaps. I spent a lot of time doing other things and listening to music, but that's fantastic. Even though it took until just two years ago for me yeah. to discover Eno, I'm a freak for it now. But yeah. I'd been oblivious to it. Before. Before. I hadn't heard song one. That's the beautiful thing about art, though, yeah. is that... Sure. Uh, There's things out there that you'll fall in love with that you don't even know about just yet. Right. And we're in a period where, uh, you know, to quote Gillian Welch, everything is free. You know, art was never a particularly... That's a bad notion, Joe. I, I don't like the everything. Like the I know, man. Are free. I know. We talk about this all the time on the show, though, is that uh, the lyric for that song, and I, it's... Uh, Everything is free now, that's what they say. Everything ever done, got to give it away, is the thing. 
And and I talked to Gillian Welch after a show a once. Terribly bitter lyric, right? I know, there, but, yes, it's, but, but it's but it's beautiful. Bitter it's an is earned beautiful. bitterness, you know. And, I know, yeah. and bitter tastes good on the tongue. <laughs> you know that. And I always say that, you know. And we have a song called "Bitter Getting Better" from a record yeah. called "Very Mary Beth." That you know, bitter just means that at one point you cared too much, and yeah. she she should care because that's yeah. how she's she doesn't want to. Go temp, go a temping or whatever. Yeah. You know, have a have a straight job. It's it's hard to make your living as a musician, and it's such a tired theme. And I hope we don't go over it. Yeah. Over well, the it. thing is, it's not. Yes, of course, that's a very very tired theme. It's always been hard, and that's how I was getting this whole point yeah. started, which is that it's never been particularly easy. It's just harder in different ways now than it was before. I mean, people are very nostalgic for the days of big record labels. When back in the days of big big record labels, all people could do is complain about big record labels. Right. It's just a different set of problems right. now. Yes. And it's not that it's, you know, when I jump into this topic and I start talking about it with different musicians, it's very easy to just go negative and say, well, everything sucks now. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. It's not quite that simple. There is a different set of problems. And yes, and in some ways, it's harder than it has ever been. But it's not as simple as the record labels being gone. It's just, it's a much more complicated paradigm. There was a review, apropos of that, there was a review of Sugar Plum Fairy, Sugar Plum Fairy, and this thing called Stereo Embers um, by this writer who said, you know, who started off uh, using our career as a way of uh, ruminating over whether it's better for an artist to have financial success or no. And many's the band who've taken off, exploded. I noticed that here in your studio, you've got uh, a, a little framed thing from you too. You know, it's arguable that they they would have been a better band if they didn't become the greatest band in the world and written, right. kept on writing songs that were as filled with energy as, you know, things off of Boy or October right. or, or or whatever. So I mean, that's 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 something we you know, uh, it's it's a ticklish issue again. You know, how would it affect your art? We'll, right. we'll never know. In my right. case, for the right. perennially you know obs- obscure song. Songwriter, uh, etc. Perhaps you know who knows. Um, but this you, next, but this next record or the upcoming tour, you know, may result in in us getting our due or some more financial, you know, guerdon, some reward there. But you know, who knows? And does it even really matter? I don't think it does. Ultimately, somehow right. you never know. If, you know it could it could have ruined. Many's the person again whose life musician successful quote unquote successful musician right. whose life may seemingly have been ruined by a success or whatever. Right. And to to finish off, I want you to play a song in just a second. But to finish off that Gillian Welching, the next two lines, which I was going to save and now get to. Okay. Which is that uh, everything ever done got to give it away, um, but I'm going to do it anyway, even if it doesn't pay. And that's the key, and that's the point about that whole thing. Like you set up the bitterness, and that's maybe the yoke that's the problem with all these the musicians. You you say you know just a second ago how I gotta you know we nice to have more success doing what I'm doing, man. You've by, done it I'm, anyway. By success, I mean money. Really, no, I understand. Jeff. I, understand <laughs> I understand exactly what you're talking about, my, John. My, I know my former 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 producer who produced the records Tattered Damalian and one called The Hypnotizing Sea that didn't come out here but only in England. Um, Tim Bowen, great Irish guy, wonderful guitar player. He's always on about it. He's like, John, of course you'll never get your due until you're dead. Yeah. You'll just you'll have to wait till you're dead. You know, that's yeah. all that's it. I mean, he morbidly, you know, uh harries me with that in loving fashion. You know, right. hi Tim, how are you? Um but that, you know, may be true. And if it is, oh well, I haven't right. had you know, I don't hold sway over something like that. But the at thing all. is the difference, John, is that you 
you have done it. You continue right. to do it. And that's sure. and that's the yeah. difference. A lot of people, a lot of artists would look at your catalog. Artists I'm talking about, maybe not fans, and maybe there's some overlap there. But they look at your catalog. They don't see the blood, sweat, and tears. They just see that you've got 20 releases out and would give their anything yes. to have 20 releases. How, and maybe you know, they'll make it to that point. Maybe they won't. But success, as you say, can be mentioned, can be measured in many different metrics. You know, and you continue to do what you do. You you do it anyway, whether it pays or not. It's a singularly American thing as well. To you know, segue to talking about nationalities. That Susan Sontag, the great critic and you know, uh, intellectual, talked about American pro- overproductivity. That right. we're trained to, to overproduce stuff. I mean, you want to throw the, the the kings of that guided by voices into the equation. I mean, where do you even begin with that? They have four yeah. or five box sets. Yeah. For heaven's sake. I mean, that's a mad, you know, Robert Pollard. There's a mad person. There's yeah. a crazy person there with, with all of that. But and you hear I don't stories, know. Um, you yeah. hear stories about a guy like Prince, again, whether you're fan or not is irrelevant. But Oh, he's brilliant. I've read that he, he keeps musicians on staff, like you would pay a staff at Starbucks or whatever. Sure. And he's got a studio in his house. Yeah. And I guess he just records all day, every day. And I've read that he's got a a room in his house, like the tape closet, which is just, it's got hundreds of albums worth of material because that's what he does. He's constantly, it's this process. Or a guy like like Ryan Adams, whether again, whether you like him or not, irrelevant. He's got, if anyone suffers from too much output, it's that guy. And but he but he kind of he's made enough success to kind of follow his it's, star and he goes off weird... and does like a prog rock album and then he does like a black metal album and he does all these yeah, different things and a lot of them don't see the light of day but he does it anyway. I'm sure he's you know like in terms of content he's there's a certain restlessness there. Yeah. But it's the curious thing to me is that nobody would tell a poet what that quaint thing a poet in the 2015 a poet or a, a painter. Uh, or or a writer, unless it was Joyce Carol Oates, you know, like don't you know, like stop producing so much stuff. I mean, yeah. that's just what you do. Like, what your your point is, Joe, that that's that's what you do. It's what he does or what she does. So, but in the, in in the realm of pop music, a lot of times it's sort of like, oh my God, the Rolling Stones are trotting out yet another single or whatever. How you know that people become oppressed by this? Yet you know, John Ashbery publishing a new poem in the New Yorker or whatever, or um, some more Bryce Martin throughout some, you know, cool names, you know, painting or exhibit emerges, nobody blinks. Right. You know, it's curious like that, so. Art is a funny thing because of the, depending on the genre of art, the amount of time it takes to produce that art is kind of tied to the output of it to a certain extent. You look at uh, a Surratt painting, a very elaborate, large Physical, there are physical limitations to how fast, even if someone was sure. tweaking right. on the drugs yeah. and staying up six days at a time, it would still take someone, pointillism would still take them weeks at a minimum to finish that painting. You know, and I don't know, did he have a day job back then? Did he work at the local cafe? I drinking don't, absinthe drinking and smoking absinthe opium, probably. Whatever he's yeah, doing. He's you know, so good, we've got these George things George Rock, great too. painter, too. I love uh, that illusion. Nice one, Joe. Or, thank you. Or, uh, I'm, trying, I'm just trying to think of art, that the, the, the time relation between the time it takes to create the art and release the art, and... The, the prolific the prolificality prolificness I don't, I don't know that anybody really needs to envy anybody who's prolific or not I have a couple a couple of friends associates who have loads and loads of records as well and 
just are you know how many of them are are great? I don't yeah. know how many of ours are great. It's not it's nothing necessarily to 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 you know view askance with an you know envious eye. Yeah. Um, it just uh, it's just something that's been done. Choose among them, and uh, some people d- uh, w- would say, "Gosh, you know, um, it's great that if you get one or two records out, if they're wonderful, that's that counts yeah. a lot more than you know volume." Yeah, know, and well, knows? to reference you too, we were having a conversation at the pub the other day about how you know my friends who are huge U two fans um, are you know they lament they're playing in town they played in town yeah. not too long ago yeah, and yeah. they're lamenting how they're they feel their quality of their work has gone down quite a bit. And again, uh, they're much bigger fans of U2 than I am. But I look at that and I, and I kind of defend them in a way because I say, well, how many dark sides of the moon could you release in your life? How many sure. Joshua Trees or Boy or how many of those does any artist have? But they still go about doing what they do. And they're into that point in their career. The ca- if, you know, if you've studied business, they're the cash cow phase now. Sure. I don't think that they themselves are personally in the cash cow phase they're not looking at their crowd and just saying well we've got to make an album that sells 20 million records they're just making records right because they don't but they've also that uh that paradigm has been removed by which they have to do that it doesn't matter they could exist unto themselves whereas when they were making even an album like joshua tree which they had made had some success when they were recording to that at that point but they they had limitations Art limitations for art is a very very good thing. You have you referenced the Beatles. I before. concur. Sure, you know, of course. You know people like to tout the fact that say Sgt. Pepper was done in a four track or an eight track or whatever, but they also had George Martin and U eighty seven mics and Neve mixers. It wasn't like it was a different and oboe players and an at oboe their players. <laughs> that they had, call and a shawm, and a guy right, on shawm. Right, they yes. had a lot sure, of, of resources yeah. at their disposal. I would love to have those resources. So limit anyway. Limitations are a good thing. Let's we've got so much to talk about. Let's let's yeah. play another song. I see you brought an electric guitar, uh, and I think you're going to play a song from an older record. Tell us just a little bit about this one, John. Blue Umbrella is the next one, and it's a song that's. Um, not a, a, a song about inspiration more than anything. I liked the image of giving an umbrella, you know, maybe a maudlin or melancholy color like blue. Um, but it was a song I actually wrote for a class that I taught at USC, a writing class when I was a professor there. Um, that I, I wrote it for the class. I never played it for them or anything touchy-feely like that. But I, I had this particularly wonderful class that um, was in a, something of a slump. So I kind of just wrote it to... Um, to urge them to come on, baby, come on, um, you know, to, to reach their potential okay. um, somehow. So um, there wasn't, there, there isn't any particular person, but a whole class of people that may not even remember the wacky uh, prof that they had back yeah. in uh, 2004, I think it was. Yeah. 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 Blue Umbrella. All right. So very happy to have the Black Watch on Independence Day. Let's hear this. Got this blue umbrella to keep 
rescue from the rain It's transitory season where the wheels of change will spin You ever had this feeling you'll know just what state I'm in Come on Baby come on Come on Baby, come on well, Darling, when I met you The whole foundation shook And as far as looks go One was all that talk It might be so easy Guess you'd have to wait and see Take this umbrella, hold it over me Oh, come on, baby, come on Oh, come on, baby, come on Come on, baby, come on Come on, baby, come on and on and on and on. Joe Armstrong, thank you very much for listening to Independence Day. We come to you nearly every Wednesday night, www.indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y. You can also follow us on Twitter at Indepday and follow all our videos or check out videos at youtube.com slash videos. Very happy to have tonight's guest, The Black Watch. We've got the main guy from that band. 
call him John Andrew Frederick. He's from Santa Barbara, California originally, but man, his music doesn't sound like he's from California. It's great, though. John, thank you for being here. Thanks, Joe. It's great to be here. I'm having such a good time talking to you. It's fun to talk to someone who is very well-spoken, who will throw some interesting vocabulary at me, some phrases. It's fun to like have some conversation, I'm going to say at this level, but... It's just a, it's a different flavor. That's you, a terribly high level, Joe. We're, yeah, I know. Let's, we're, let's flo- just, we're fairly floating above. Let's jump into our pretensions. Uh, uh, Revel above our the horizon. Um, so, but I want to get now, like your your other avocation, the other thing that you do. Uh, you are an English professor, mm-hmm. correct? And, yes. Um, how does and you studied that, and you have a PhD in this. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, how does you know, maybe compare and contrast. You're like, I'm talking to a teacher now. I have to remember all my teacherly things. But compare and contrast. How does being a writer of prose or a writer or even teaching something like that? Are you teaching composition or the yeah. history of... Yeah, composition. Okay, so how does that inform songwriting or the other way around? Oh, gosh, that's... I don't, I don't know. I mean, it informs uh, performance perhaps more than... The actual writing of songs, um, uh, I, I'd say. I'd say you know, every, the, most most of my classes, I don't lecture. I use the Socratic method. I ask the students all the time what they think. I already know what I think about the poems and stories that we're reading. Um, so I would say that it, it just it it kind of um, imbues uh, the the performance of the, of these songs um, from my hamming it up for for to keep. The kids' attention yeah. spans from snapping, uh, as it were, um, but not necessarily. I don't think that they were really overlapping in terms of song writing. I mean, interacting with people, um, of course, is going to give you some ma- potential material. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say that the two of them are necessarily symbiotic at all. Interesting, because I, I mean, when I listen to your music. Uh, I hear, you know, there's vocabulary. A didactic professor well, <laughs> shoving his opinions down I love down the word didactic, throat. by the way. Thank you for using that. I'll give you another gold star for that. But, no, I definitely hear, you hear, you hear if nothing else, you hear uh, vocabulary words. You hear words, more descriptive words that have a more nuanced impression in your music. Whereas, you know, uh, we, you know, we all work yeah. in, the, we all work I in mean, popular music styles. I mean, I have a PhD in English literature. I'm, I'm a novelist, you know. I'm, my third novel's coming out in August of this year. Um, I'm crazy about words, and I, right. don't, and I don't care about lyrics and other people's stuff. My bloody Valentine next to my own band, um, he said, um, with his tongue in his cheek, not so much too. And the Beatles are my favorite bands in the world, and no, or the Cocteau Twins. Nobody knows right. what any of those bands are saying. Um, either of those bands, MBV or the Cocteau Twins, two of my favorite bands. And I, I couldn't care less. Right. And yet I love Dylan, and even Dylan says something like, "My my lyrics aren't poetry; they're lyrics." Right. So I'm, I'm I'm a person who doesn't care about lyrics unless they're bad. I write them for myself. Most songs are consolations for the vicissitudes of you know of of life. For me, I'm writing to me a lot of the time, or to a version of myself that manifested in somebody else that I know, a friend, or the world. And um, that 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 they don't. That I'm not. I'm not going to write something unless it's self-consciously. Um, 
you know, drony and silly, uh, you know, that's not necessarily um, infused with something poetic. Right. That isn't going to please the ear on its own, but not pretend to be, you know, poetry that's still a lyric or whatever. So, right. well, I mean, there's that concern with language, of course, comes into play. I guess that's what I'm getting at, is the fact that... Uh, you know, pop music, which whether you like it or not, we all perform a popular style of music. In other words, sure. you know, we could get into a, you know yeah. debates whether or not whether what right. what constitutes pop music. But it's a pop. When I was studying music in college, they would have called these popular styles. Whereas, yeah, sadly, maybe not sadly, I don't know. Like music, like classical and jazz, weren't called popular styles of music. Sure. That's something aside from that. So we play popular music to entertain people, and in pop music. Uh, you know, there's all you see things on Facebook constantly about. Oh, you know, they examine modern pop music and compare it to even the Beatles, where the Beatles weren't super complicated with their with their language, their vocabulary. But now it seems it's been. Some people complain it's been dumbed down to the extent where it's barely even language yeah, but it's anymore. Yeah, my take always is, you know, if it's noticeable, then it's then it's bad. But you know, in the song that I just did Blue Umbrella, the chorus goes, baby, come on, baby, come on, which couldn't be more cliche. But I like that notion of a juxtaposition. The first line's about already building castles all over northern Spain, making an allusion to building castles in Spain, having fantasies, etc. So if you draw somebody in with a catchy chorus that could be redundant and silly, um, but at the same time get them thinking... um, uh, if you if you care that much to think about the listener, yeah. um, with with something more poetic and imaginative, then that's great, and that's another yeah. you know goal or puzzle to you yeah. know, like tightrope to walk between. You 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 can't have uh, a chorus that's that, that's super convoluted because it's a chorus and you want it hooky, um, and just just as you can't have lyrics that, that we couldn't reverse that and have the verses go right. baby 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 baby. Well, right, you're at play with language yes. when you do oh, these sure. kinds of things, yeah. and you're so aware enough to know. I mean, you just you know said it right there. You elucidated it right well, there. That not not being a too attached to your lyrics or having too much pride in them, and you know a number of people that are I consider my my colleagues and peers who are really good songwriters. You know, they 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 almost get you know uh, are, are, there's almost a certain amount of rancor. They're like, John, I can't believe that you don't that you don't like lyrics. You know, because. Uh, solipsistically, uh, the the notion would be that what they're thinking is like my lyrics are really good and really poetic. Why don't you? You should be lauding me for this and stuff. And you know, I always kind of counter like, don't take it personally. But if I want to read something, I'm gonna go read Keats and T. S. Eliot, not right. your lyrics, you know, yeah. somehow or not mine either, because well, they have know, a different function can... in 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 popular music. They have a different right. function. You know, I, I look to people like. Uh, Bowie or Mike Stipe, for example, of someone who, uh, Mike Stipe, for example, these are lyrics that are hold their their placeholders for a sound. Like he, he would say a particular word, not because of its meaning, but because of the sound of the word. Sure, and they're they're a way to get something across to the listener. You know, or Bowie, like taking lyrics and taking words and, and back before you could do it in um, uh, a word document. Sure. You'd take and cut them up on a piece of paper and toss them up and then re- can just kind of rearrange them on a, pl- on a table to fill the I love of- him for that. Yeah, Turning into a collage, John Lennon did the same thing. Exactly. I like, you know, I, I don't think about Bowie's lyrics and that's probably a good thing. I love David Bowie. Like crazy. I loved early R.E.M. before yeah. I could hear what Michael Stipe was saying. I don't right. even, you know... Everybody says that, though. Just yeah, about. Well, that's the cliche thing, sure. but that's fine. I, I have no issue with that. My girlfriend hates Pearl Jam, right? 
And I like your girlfriend. She's great. Yeah. Uh, she's, I she, loathe that band. She is great. Um, I, I don't know. I, I have respect for Pearl Jam. I have respect for Eddie Vedder for coming up with something. It, this kind of harkens back to something we were talking about just a few minutes ago in the interview, where a new form, slightly different maybe, even just slightly different, new form of art comes in. Gr- a new style of music, grunge, rap, hip-hop, pop, Brit-pop, uh, Radiohead is a good example of that, even though Radiohead was informed by Pink Floyd and other sure. bands. like they, It's like every now and again a band comes along that launches a thousand other bands. Van Halen is a good example of that. You know, nobody was right. doing hard rock like that when it came. Sure. It was. It seemed like it was, and even compared to their peers, you know, uh, they were smiling and jumping around rather right. than scowling and right. jumping around. Sure. Um, so we tend to, the bands that come after them, we tend to think are tiresome. Like, oh, you're, you're, yes. you're, you're obviously informed by radio. Yeah. You're obviously informed by Van Halen. You're obviously right. informed by whatever, and so. You know, all those bands, you know, when I was playing guitar in high school when Van Halen was the biggest thing, you could tell which bands had some of their own thing and some of them didn't. And right. it could be said that way for Radiohead. And you can kind of go back in a tree. Yes, back to there's a, a, a slew and a spade of Radiohead clones. One lives right ab- above yeah. me. You know, some kids are just going, wow, you guys have not... Yeah. Bo- you, know, you can't be arsed at all to, to sort out your own sound at all. Yeah. The singer's just Tom Yorkish. It's it's dreadful. Yeah. I used to play a Jeff Buckley tribute concert every year in Chicago. And, and I, yes, I love Grace a lot. But... Some of the people there love it a lot more than me and would go and kind of emulate. Yeah, there's emulate, some freaks for him. I don't hold em, with him at all. I don't like his voice emulate, and they or his dad's. Emulate him to the extent that, I mean, it's an impressive thing if you can do it in terms of the physical feat of doing that. But, I mean, I liked him and I liked the venue. I liked the owner of the venue and it was an opportunity to get in front of some new people. But I would try to deconstruct the song as much as possible and, and do, you know, I had a, a, you know, a chord organ is, a plastic sure. instrument from the 60s. I yeah. did something with a chord organ. I did one as an acapella piece with two girls. Um, I want to do something different. Anyway, mm-hmm. we're getting way off topic here. How about another yes. song? Okay. We, this I, was don't, that's I don't like see six why not. Long. Yes, I'm here. I might as well <laughs> sing. What's this next song going to be, John? This is uh, this is brand new. It's on the forthcoming record. Um, it's called Eleanor. Eleanor. And this record, we will see this early next year I, sometime? We, I don't know. We're about halfway through recording and mixing it. Um, but it, it all depends on scheduling. Yeah, we'll, yeah. See, we'll see. And some money, too. So um, we'll see what happens. What's yeah. that word? M- m- Ma, how do you say that word again? <laughs> Ma, <laughs> I kid, I kid. All right, so the Black Watch on Independence Day. Eleanor's not hiding, but she's surely not inviting you inside her head. She tries not to be worried, but the rude way things are going often spoils her days. It's not as if she cannot leave her room. Some days all she seems to see is gloom and doom and doom, doom. Doom, doom, doom. 
Eleanor's not trying to mind just to keep trying to get through to her. It isn't that she's better than else people now who've met her, but so many of you haven't got a lot of things to say. Save for all the things of yesterday, hey, hey, hey. Quoting banal sayings all the way. All the hackneyed people, things to say. All the banal phrases all the way, hey, hey. Eleanor's not trying to remind us to keep dying. Eleanor's not hiding, but she's surely not inviting you. Eleanor's not trying anymore. Eleanor's not hiding. Watch on Independence Day doing a solo version of a track which will be on their brand new record coming out next year, which is not the same as their brand new record, which just came out a few months ago. Uh, Sugar Plum Fairy, Sugar Plum Fairy is the newest one until the next new one comes out early next year. We'll look forward to that. And you can find this stuff in stores, of course. Also, theblackwatch.bandcamp.com, facebook.com slash theblackwatchmusic. Ah, man. So tell me... Independent is a word. It's in the, the you know the name of this show. Sure, and it's a it's a it's a thing in music nowadays because you've been at this since before all these changes took place in the music business. Now is a question I ask a lot of people, but I expect a different answer out of you. Um, how independent are you, or have you been? You've been on labels, but these have not been giant labels, right? Along the way, uh, these the records? biggest one was one in the '90s called Zero Hour that was affiliated with. Um, BMG Chrysalis, so it would have been considered a mini major. Okay. And then two or three other indie indies, and then several releases on our on our own yeah. label, and then on a friend's label that I run, Pop Culture Press out of Austin with Luann Williams, who's part of South by Southwest and just a great well-wisher and long-term fan of the band. So the full spectrum of labels, indie, truly indie releases and partway indie releases and stuff. So, um, yeah, you want my take on all of that? Sure. We've always, we've always just behaved as though we were a, a signed band. We, w- a signed band with minimal budgets that rationalized the way the records turned out, that we made the best record that we possibly could given the amount of money that we had to go into a studio yeah. or the innumerable times because we're chummy people who are fun to be around when I'm not having an unmitigated tantrum or meltdown having to do vocals or or what have you 
We have a great work ethic, ethic. Nobody has a jug problem. Nobody's too terrifically much of a prima donna. So we've been really blessed with a number of people who, engineers and producers who own studios who said, you know, I'll give you the chummy chum rate or do some stuff um, for free on spec as well because I know that you guys don't have a lot of records. You haven't sold more than, you know, the biggest selling record, the one on Zero Hour sold maybe 5,000 yeah. copies or whatever, and it hasn't mattered to us. I've, you know... I, I party like a rock star without being a rock star. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you also have the benefit of having like a, a an alternative career, which then allows you to. Yeah. I mean, you've been teaching, teaching full time yeah, for I mean, how long? I've not been teaching full time. I've okay. been teaching part time. There's times when it turns into part time when uh, uh, when I taught a number of different universities. There was one point in the '90s, I think, that I taught seven classes at four different schools. Um, and then when I was at USC for five years, I was also at Santa Monica College where I've been for years and years. Um, 17, I think I tallied it up sadly the other day. Don't do math, Joe. That's my advice. Don't yeah. start adding things Don't. together. Well, like Han Solo be says, oblivious. Never, never tell me the odds. Never tell me the numbers. Just be do oblivious what you do. to the numbers. They, can, they might start to bring you down, whether it's how many records you put out or how long you've been a professor. But yeah, so, so the fact that I, I've, I lecture two days a week, sometimes three, and um, you know, spend my weekends grading papers, but a couple days a week I have nothing to do except for play tennis in the morning and write music and write fiction yeah. in the afternoon into the evening. So it's been, I, I mean, it, I don't live in a, any a palace by any stretch, nor have a tennis court in a swimming pool, a swimming court in a tennis pool <laughs> or whatever. But um, you know, it's allowed. It's afforded me to be as creative as I could possibly yeah. be. That's the only person stopping me from doing stuff is is me, and I don't seem to stop me. So there you go. That's worked out. Well, it's a testament to. I mean, that that's the way you should. I mean, should is a dangerous word, right? I mean, when of you course. especially get into therapy, like oh, should, yeah. should, 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 should. But I think that's. Uh, I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Um, but when you're you want a career in music, you just make music. The other stuff will happen or it won't. Right. You know, if you're in it because you love it, I mean, if you're in it for the chicks, that's fine too, right? If you want to go I that route. I was never in it for the chicks. If you're in it for the booze. Not that there's anything wrong with there's all of you people it. out there who are in it for the chicks. You yeah, can do or that. if you're in it for the, the party, or you're in it for the drugs, or you're in it for, you know, because you camaraderie love... Sake, camaraderie's sake. Yeah, right, you sure. love Maybe you love riding around in vans yeah. and eating dirt, right. you know. But you, the, the, it's, it's the avocational part of it. That's the part where you, you focus on making the actual music, playing the shows, writing the songs. That process is the thing that, did, that you know, you should, you should. Here's that word again. You should be proud of what you've done. It's, I am. Thank cool. you very much, Joe. That is cool. And our, our bass player, Chris Rackard, a lovely, tall Irish guy, hilarious. He often brings up this notion that he thinks, you know, had we, have we, had we gotten to play loads of festivals and made a bunch of money and had to quit our jobs, who's, who's to say that that would be, that necessarily be better? Yeah. You know, so it's just something that you and I touched on before we started the session today. So. Yeah. Or the yeah, fact that uh, to really be successful, somebody in that band has to die. Yeah, there you go. the thing that's like the... <laughs> That's there the, we are back to the death. So it's motif. like, well, okay, you know, we used to in our in all our bands, you know, we we all know that we're self aware enough to know. Okay, well, someone mm-hmm. someone has to die. But like your band, like none of us had major, known as big drug problems. None of us were alcoholics, right? You know, none of us, you know, other than driving on the freeway, which is the most dangerous thing that anybody does, they don't think about. But 
Thanks for uh, just in the wake of the fact that we're about to embark on a yeah. national tour be for fine. bringing that up. I'm really thinking like, You'll oh my fine. god. You'll okay, thanks, Joe. I'm glad I heard it from you. Just don't touch te- wood. Just don't text. <laughs> just don't text and drive, man. That's oh god, point. I never do that. I yell at people who are texting and driving, and maybe that'll, and, that'll end in you know my uh, poorly for me when I'd be looking at somebody yelling at them for texting and driving, and then. Smash into a wall. You know, you'll be fine. I, I can, I can Touch feel Touch wood here, yeah, So sure. two things I want to okay. ask yes. you about. Then we got the last song we got to roll out of here. here. We, could, we could talk for like six hours. I know. Um, It'd be bad. Not without me, a beer. We're not going to of talk. Of course. Well, the week, that can be arranged. <laughs> um, tell me, you know, since you've been like the through line through this whole band, like in a band that's got that much longevity, even at the level that you're at, it doesn't matter what level you're at, with that much longevity, like is it a natural thing when a player kind of ro- rotates in or out of the band? What's the next oh, longest Oh, it's a terribly tenure? dramatic What's thing. Thing, in, some case, uh, in, in some cases, it's a terribly dramatic thing. Well, Janet Jacoby, who is the violinist and uh, uh, in TBW for 10 years or so, um, who's now in Rod Stewart's band, she would have, she would be the next longest uh, member now, ex-member from, from. She's been gone for gone for 13 years or so oh, now. Wow, okay. So, so all, all that time onto onto her her scintillating career as the Rod Stewart's the mandolin player and sometime guitarist and and violinist. So and then, you know, her her leaving, of course she had to go and be part of the circus. It's what she was meant for. She's an amazing musician and stuff and I'm sure she misses um, playing to 16 people in Des Moines <laughs> terribly on a Tuesday night in January. <laughs> on a Tuesday at midnight. <laughs> sure, she misses that horribly. I mean, she paid yeah. her dues, but yeah, she was in, yeah. and then, uh, and then, you know, there's been a Scott Taylor who's going to, who's, who's not in the band now, but he's going to come with me on this acoustic tour upcoming. Who's a bass player and guitar player. He was, he was in for 10 years as well. Um, on and off so but it, you know it can be very dramatic um, one of my very closest oldest best friends Stephen Chair was in for six years and um, he's he retired from music for 16 years and he was in the chills in New Zealand and you know sort of sort of a motif where um, you know that was that put a strain on our friendship and he's an amazing musician and he needs to do his own solo stuff and um, but it was my dream to have him in the band and and you know how hard it is for me being the focal point in the main songwriter or or, or whatever um you know it can it can be dramatic and it can be it can be very easy at the same time but right now we're a really happy band of four people who really really like each other and um have great respect and don't necessarily have to rehearse all that much just you know make records and do yeah. the occasional gig so it's not it's not like in the days where we had a lockout studio and rehearsed four times a week, right? You know, or whatever. We don't do as many gigs. Um, we put out the same amount of albums, but you know, it's just sort of, um, it's it's good to be in a band where there isn't loads and loads and loads of pressure and people really aren't competing for the spotlight or whatever. Understand yeah. their roles. But yeah, the four of us, Tyson Cornell, Chris Rackard I mentioned, and Rick Rick Woodard, who's also maybe been in maybe now on and off for something like fifteen years. So there's there's yeah. some, you know, there's some members with long longevity. It's not every you know, like every two years that there's a whole new yeah. band. I mean, that's a thing, uh probably not unique to Los Angeles, but something that is very much the case here. I mean, everyone's in twenty bands, it seems like. Yeah. I mean, it's strange. Um, that's a, that's a new thing. A lot of my English friends had used to marvel at because they trade musicians because there aren't that many of them in you know in provincial kind of 
scenarios like bands from Oxford or uh, Northampton or or Bath or Bristol or whatever, you know, that they need to share drummers or whatever, that they've always marveled at this notion of, you know, that's my bass player, that's my drummer. But I guess it's a new thing for people to play in bands. My son went and lived in Iceland for a year when he was 19, brave boy in the middle of college. He just took off and went and lived in Iceland, which has an amazing indie scene. And he said that everybody's in four different bands, you know, in in Reykjavik. It's astonishing. So... Yeah, in an environment like that, I I imagine that there's, you know, I don't know, 50, let's say top tier musicians for Reykjavik, whatever that means, top tier, but there are 50 people and 100 bands. Yeah. So, or 20 or 30 people and 50 bands. I don't know. 20 people and 10 bands. But that's, there's so much cross pollinization. Some of it's good, you know, and out here it's a big thing because, you know, someone gets a tour, it's like, well, who's going to go out? Who's available? You know, Nashville's like that too. There's like the call list. Right. It's number one call person. It's not number two call person, number three call person. Well, who's available? Who can we get for this right. tour? Sure. Um, you know, that notion of a band being uh, a group of people where, like you too, such an, as like is the exception rather than the rule where you have the same yeah. four people or REM, the same people since the dawn of time, you know, and it's, that camaraderie, it's hard. You know, it's like if there's, this is going to sound like a weird thing, but there's one thing I envy about the military. It's that, it's that uh, esprit de corps or that, that camaraderie, that the band of yeah, brothers. Yeah, no, concept. I mean, there's, that's one of the, I didn't start, a, I was married at the time. I didn't start a band to get, to get chicks. I was not, uh, and I got, you know, uh, a lot more chicks from being a writer than I ever did being in a band, especially with my former girlfriend, too, um, right there. But uh, that's, that seems like a great, uh, you know, M.O., uh, to want to be in a band just because you really like the people that you play with. Yeah. My son, who's a very wonderful songwriter and singer and uh, guitar player and keyboardist, he he idealizes the idea of being in bands. He just moved here two years ago from New York where he says, you know, I was playing music with all of my best friends and here I just there's just a bunch of mercenaries. And I go, well, welcome to the city, the, the, the hub of, of, of rock music that's the worst place in the world ostensibly to be a band Los Angeles where yeah. everybody's want has their their hand out just about everybody so that when you do find three other people the paradigm being four people like the Beatles had right. bass two guitars and drums when you do find those people it becomes all the all the sweeter yeah. you know to go like I really like this person as a person I'd hang out with them and have a beer uh, and, and also love love to play music with them so it brings up all those ethical yeah. considerations like I would love to be able to pay everybody I would yeah, love to be, but it's, sure, it's, not, it's not realistic yeah. for me to be able to do right. that. So you got to kind of walk the line, you know? You, yeah. You well, just people. about everybody gets paid more than I do. So, you know, <laughs> in effect, you know, yeah. that's it. So one last thing, and then we'll play the last tune here. Well, you've got this tour coming up. It's about a yes, four-week tour. Yes, we you've do. Got maybe 25. A national tour to, to Boston and back. He's got maybe 25-ish dates. I mean, we're looking at Phoenix and Austin, Atlanta, Athens, Charlotte, D.C., Philly, New York, Boston. I mean, you're hitting all the, all the places you should hit. Chicago. Right. You know where we're playing in Chicago? Do you know where you're playing in Chicago um, on the top of your head? I, uh, it's on the itinerary. It slipped okay. my mind. I'll, I'll, your uh, tour so manager the, will let yeah, you the know. Last time, the last time uh, we were there, we played the Metro, which was amazing. Oh, yeah, I know some, the Metro. Some, some stage gnomes emerged in the snow and, and ported our gear in there. I thought maybe they were thieves. <laughs> it was the... I'm, 
doing? I realize I'm in the Midwest and everybody's yeah. super professionally nice. What are you doing? You're you're humping yeah. my amp in, into the venue. Like, what's going on? Like, are you are you a vision from God? Well, was, you know, it, like, was it winter? Great. Yeah, it was winter. Well, they also don't want to keep the door open for very long. Oh, okay, there. So yeah, no, but they they are they are very nice people, and the people I come a, from are nice people. There's a cynical motive for everything. Indeed. Yeah. So yeah, we played the Metro, but I don't, we won't be there this time because it's just so, acoustic. Okay. So when you say acoustic, is this how many people? It'll uh, just uh, it'll be it'll be Scott Taylor and I. Okay. Uh, yeah. So fairly stripped down. So this is the yeah. kind of that was going to be my my logistical my question about logistics is that with a, a tour of that size you're able to go in a car you don't need a van. No, we don't need, need a, a van. We'll just rent a, We'll just rent a comfortable car and you know take our time and at this at this quasi emeritus status will right. probably you know we'll probably just take it quite leisurely and not yeah. not freak out the way that we used to when we toured a lot more yeah um and everything means so much and stuff like that just go and play some music for some people and try to sell some t-shirts most bands say these days they sell a lot right. more t-shirts than they do the music people want to yeah. people want to be able to show that they went to the gig and stuff and we just did some great t-shirts i should have brought you one shoot yeah. i'll send well, it to you yeah we we'll see that. each other again we don't live that far apart there you go we'll meet at the pub we'll have that yeah, beer we've been talking about Okay, so, uh, man, I'm, I wish you the best of luck on this oh, tour. Oh, thanks so much, uh, Joe. Thanks for having us here. That's great. The music is great. Uh, Independence Day, what a great pun, too. You know, <laughs> it's a self-aware pun, and it's really cool. You're doing a wonderful job for lots of people who need 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 good exposure. You've got great taste. Thanks, obvi- man. Obviously. Let's appreciate it. So we have one more song first. So what's this last one going to be? This is the title track, the eponymous track from a record that came out in 2006 on Stone Garden Records out of L.A., uh, called Tattered Demalion. All right, let's hear this. The Black Watch on Independence Day. Well, dreams may come so scattered some about you if you would. Said, come on, a magic wand won't do me any good. Smile and recognize the look that's in your eyes today. Kick to death to save your breath to cool your porridge now. Fractured dreams and bleached out schemes that pale the very heart. Smile and recognize the look that's in your eyes today. Spinning madly round. Spiral graphing down Whirly dig the air Fair is rarely fair Dreams may come so scattered some about you if you would I said come on a magic wand won't do me any good Smile and recognize Look that's in your eyes today 
today Sugar Plum Fairy Won't you tell me true One last time, The Black Watch. John Andrew Frederick on Independence Day. Drop by their website, theblackwatch.bandcamp.com. Also, facebook.com slash theblackwatch. Music, of course, as always, you can check out Independence Day and our 130-plus other episodes at indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com. Follow us on Twitter at indepday to fear my... Uh, witticisms in 128 or fewer characters. You guys have got this brand new tour coming out. You got a tour coming out just starting this weekend. You're going to go all the way to the East Coast and back again. So good luck. You know, send us thank some, you. Send us some pictures from the road. I'd like to. I, I love I'm, that stuff. I'm against photography, Joe. I'm one of those. I'm a Sontagian in that. I can't stand pictures. So other people might take them, but I'm not into it at all. All right. Well, I've tell never. You. I've never taken a camera on holiday anywhere. I just. I didn't. Uh, I'm. I. I don't think there. I don't think anybody took. Any pictures of my wedding when okay. I got married? Here's a different challenge. Bring me a magnet from a truck stop. Okay, we'll do I don't that. Care. Any, That'll any truck be stop. easy. That'll something, be easy. Something funny. Sure. Okay, so uh, it's been great having you on the show, man. It's been great. Thank you so much. People, there's so much music. People should just delve back into your career. There's so much stuff back. There's so many th- great things to hear. I think people are going to dig this. And also, uh, drop by the uh, website, indepday.com to see the web-exclusive track as well. There's a whole other song people can check out there. So, John, thank you for Terrific. coming on. Thank you, Joe. Cheers. So thanks to John, Andrew Frederick, and the Black Watch. Also to the Independence Day staff, Valentina Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topitsky, and Sally Shackleton. The globetrotting Tony Tonelope Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. Please check them out. They rule. For Independence Day, as always, I am Joe Armstrong. If you do anything, please be good to one another.